This is the Upstate Coffee Collective podcast where we talk to interesting and inspiring people from inside and outside the coffee community. Our guest today is Mark Gramatico from Constellation Coffee Roasters. This is a brand new coffee roasting company out of Mechanicville, New York. Uh, Mark came from outside the coffee industry in the renewable energy sector and found a love and a passion for coffee and for food. We talked to Mark about how he traveled across the country to chase his dreams and his seeming unrelenting desire to find what makes him happy and to not settle for good enough. This man really speaks truth to power. He really walks the walk and talks the talk. What I love about Mark and what I loved about our conversation is um, he doesn't have any excuses. He realized that he wasn't happy doing what he was doing, and so he sought to fix it. He went so far to even apply for a job as an entry-level cook um, in a kitchen in order to learn how to run a restaurant. Um, We'll talk more about that and many of his interesting stories as well as uh, his new coffee company and the cup of coffee that all three of us are sharing. And don't forget, if you haven't yet, please subscribe. It really helps us reach more people. And if you could share with your friends, uh, we'd really appreciate it. This is a new venture for us and we're really excited about it. We thank you for listening and we hope you're staying safe, healthy, and that you are warm and well-fed. Here's our conversation with Mark Gramatico of Constellation Coffee. Enjoy. Okay, so my coffee's brewed. Oh, I've been recording. Oh, nice. I have all your funny anecdotes. I was going to do some (laughs) coffee ASMR, but you couldn't, you wouldn't stop talking, so... that's like like the typical story of any sunday is kev i was gonna do something nice but you didn't shut up so (laughs) um all right cool well um matt you want to give us the introduction you want me to try and kick kick it off again buddy yeah (laughs) we have this running joke mark that that kevin always makes me do the intros and outros but i always screw them up so then i will Record them over in post and be like, so this is where I try to do an intro. <laughs> so this is where I try to do an intro and <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Watch this. It's fucking perfect. I love it. All right. Well, uh, <clears throat> maybe I need to take a sip of my coffee first. Yeah, there you go. So this is your coffee. We'll talk about it. Sure. Enjoyable. Welcome to the Upstate Coffee Collective podcast. Uh, our guest today is Mark Gramatico uh, of Constellation Coffee. How you doing, Mark? I'm doing well. Thank you guys for having me. Mm-hmm. Thanks for being here, man. We're really stoked to get to talk to you. Uh, what are our names, Matt? What are our names? We know uh, our names, but I guess I'll just <laughs> say them anyways. This Got is almost one. this is almost worse than the uh, the Hangover episode, I think. No, it's great. I love it. <laughs> uh, I'm Matt, and my co-host here, because you made me do the intro, you're now the co-host, is Kevin Miner. Cheers. So this is uh, (laughs) a so this is a podcast, Mark, where we talk about coffee, we talk about the people in coffee, and we talk about life. We talk about all kinds of fun stuff. Um, We like to bring on people who are you know kind of deep into the coffee industry. Then we also talk to people who have nothing to do with the coffee industry and maybe take their coffee in you know different classic. 
non-specialty ways and kind of ask them about their experience with coffee, where they come from, um, and how they're feeling. We got yep. a couple of fun segments, uh, like what's in your cup. Maybe we should start with Let's that. Let's start Kev. with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, what's that's a really cup, good one. Kev? Uh, well, I've got Mark's coffee in my cup and Stop it. I'm going to say that you do too. <laughs> I also do. And Mark just started this company. So this is a really good start point for the conversation. Uh, Weird Mark, segue. We've got this coffee. It's delicious. I did get a Coca-Cola note out of it and a basil note, which I think is uh, the consequence of some different chemicals that are in it. Uh, would you like to explain the coffee? Absolutely. Yeah. All so. Right, cool. Um, I'll kind of give you guys a little bit of background about Constellation too, before we get to, I guess, the specific coffee that we're oh, altering, because I also have the same cup in front of me. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, basically, I mean, Constellation Coffee Roastery, or company, um, this has kind of been an idea of mine probably for a little over a year. Um, actually, mm -hmm. it was kind of a, a year to the day when I bought my first roaster that um, I have a photo. It's probably deep in my buried in my Instagram. I was like roasting coffee in a little like frying pan on the stove. Dude, um, we would love to see that. Yeah, it's Seriously. it's hilarious. Like you could look at it, you know, the beans are like burnt and scorched. But to me at that time, <laughs> it was still like it was still the best freaking cup of coffee I ever had. I'm like, well, wow, this is great. Like this is phenomenal. And so yeah. from there, it was kind of like iterating on that process, coming up with ideas, names, branding, et cetera. And how can I make this thing? into something real. Um, okay. so obviously that all kind of culminated, took a year to, to do that. Um, and mainly the motivation for it was obviously there's, there is great coffee in the capital region. Um, mm -hmm. you know, obviously you had Ron on from, from stacks, you know, we've got crew, there's wired. Um, but I, I, I'm spoiled. I want more, you know, I, mm -hmm. I, I want to bring more specialty coffee, you know, to the capital region myself. Um, I feel like there's just, there's a gap, um, in the area, uh, for yeah. that. And I think people want variety. It's like, I think one thing I told you, Kevin, too, and I think I had reached out, it was like, it's not even about competition. It's about community. Um, exactly. and so obviously that's how I found you guys. Um, and obviously there's a great, uh, you know, coffee community up here where everybody yeah. can kind of learn from each other. So I think that's, that's super important. Um, but the main premise of Constellation is obviously I'm a one-man show, um, doing this out of my house, kind of a, my first uh, my first little startup. Um, I don't consider myself an entrepreneur by any means, um, but I want to be able to share my craft with you know with the public. I want people to try the coffee. Um, yeah. And along those lines, where I said there's limited supply of or limited offerings of specialty coffee, it's so many of my friends, my family have never been exposed to single origins, right? So they know coffee mm -hmm. as quote unquote coffee, you know, your Dunkin' Donuts, your, um, your Uncommon Grounds, et cetera, which again, they all have their place. But if you want something like a more sophisticated cup and you want to kind of really get deep into it, you can. Um, and so this mm -hmm. is a, my way to help educate them um, and expose them uh, to specialty coffee. Um, yeah. And because everything that we're doing is a relatively small scale, um, it is somewhat limited, right? So what we have in our cups right here is a, is a, is a Congo. Um, I've got 50 pounds of it um, that mm -hmm. I didn't get myself imported, but I purchased from uh, an importer, La Bodega. Um, and obviously everything is, um, you know, sustainably sourced, uh, ethically sourced uh, correctly. Um, it's from a little village. Um, I probably can't even pronounce it correctly. Uh, Colungo uh, Pumbi uh, microstation. Pumbi, yeah. Correct, right? And so um, what makes this Congo so special, um, what's in the cup is basically it's part of something called, um, I'm going to call it just Sopakdi. Uh, basically, it's a, it's an organization of roughly 55, 5,600 farmers um, 
20% of those are women. Um, it's located near Lake Kivu in the Democratic Republic of Congo. Mm-hmm. Um, and each one of those farmers, you know, they have a small little plot of land for themselves. Um, and all those cherries that they pick and farm um, kind of go through the Sopakti, um, through the little subgroups, and then obviously get distributed, get processed, et cetera. So, um, you know, micro lot, small coffee. Um, but I want to be able to highlight, you know, what that coffee brings to the table, right? And so that's kind of what we're what we're trying to do. And um, maybe the last thing I'll, I'll lead with there before maybe we get into the cup itself is what I think we're trying to achieve at Constellation is letting the coffee speak for itself. I think so often yes. a lot of roasters want to take it and put their own spin on it, which is great. I want to do that too eventually. But at the same time, I think so often, you know coffee has all these intrinsic characteristics about itself. So if you can kind of take a simplistic approach to just roasting it and getting it right to where it can speak and bring out all those fruit flavors, all those acids, mm-hmm. um, like you said, maybe root vegetable, et cetera. Like yeah. there's so much there and no one coffee is the same. Yeah. Um, and it's very, very similar to what you would see in the wine industry. And, you know, I use it on my website and I, when I talk to you guys about it, I call it, you know, it's terroir, right? It's kind of yep. like speaking to where the bean has come from and, you know, where the ground it grew in, the elevation it grew in, and the people who picked it, right? So those are the three main things, you know, people, place, and purpose. Yeah. Well, I mean, I got to tell you, I'm pretty sure just from what you've said right now, you've already won Matt over. You guys are going to be best friends now. Um, so I'm just going to let Matt talk. Because <laughs> I've heard Matt say almost everything that you've said, like word for word, so many times now when we talk about Upstate Coffee Collective and like where our perspectives are and where we want to go, that like, like I... It's seriously, it's awesome. Right, Matt? Like, no, 100%. I, exactly how saying, you feel. Yeah, I've, I've been saying since the beginning, you know, you, you said that you are looking for community. Um, and it's, I mean, thankfully, community is easy to find, but community specifically in coffee um, is a new, you know, last couple of decades kind of thing. And what I, I guess, what, whatever, whenever I talk to somebody like you, Mark, I always say, one of the things that I'm trying to do with the Upstate Coffee Collective itself is to recreate what happened with me. Hold on one sec. Hey, Ken. Penny did not have breakfast. I just got a text asking if my dog has been fed. <laughs> <laughs> That's real life. That's- that I'm is leaving- real life. I'm leaving that in the podcast. Okay. Sure? Um yeah, what, what I've always uh, envisioned for this, one of the goals of mine is to recreate what happened with me because I don't come from the coffee industry at all. Um, my I've never worked in the coffee industry unless you count what we do here now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I am predestined to do something involving science or the scientific method. I've been obsessed with that way of thinking since before, you know. Since high school, it, man. Since, since before I'm, that. Yeah. I mean, like my entire life, I've always had that kind of a mindset. And so yeah. when I fell in love with coffee, it was when Kevin showed me real good specialty coffee and we yeah. talked about all the ins and outs. And we, we opened up James Hoffman's Atlas of Coffee. World right? Atlas of Coffee. World, World Atlas of Coffee. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and we j- just dug into it. I, I guess my point is community and uh, community in coffee is there but i want to expand on it i, I want to yeah. bring in people that maybe only like you said like with your family some of your parents or whoever all they know when it comes to coffee is the commodity not the craft beverage 
Yeah, and, are, and that's what Mark's doing with Constellation. I think so, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. really excited for you. Now, you, Mark, you just recently announced your brand. Is that right? Yeah, so I just announced it um, this past week. Um, obviously, it's been kind of, like I said, a work in progress for a while here. But I wanted to get to a point where, you know, I'd kind of gone through a couple of different varieties of roast comfortable in, in my mm-hmm. approach to roasting and got feedback from, you know, friends and family that, what I'm putting out there is, is, is a quality cup. Now, obviously mm-hmm. that's super subjective. And I love the fact that you guys talked about this with Ron Greco on your other podcast, mm-hmm. because it's really, it's such a pain in the ass to send out coffee to people and have them grind it. And, you know, they, they have some, um, a hammer basically, right. That someone sent me pictures <laughs> of the yeah. grounds. I was like, I look yeah. like, I mean, that looks like something I would sprinkle on my ice cream. It looks like Oreos. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. Uh. But, um, but to get consistency, obviously every cup you pour is going to can potentially be different depending upon, you know, how anal you are and the tools that you have accessible to you, right? Like I've gotten to the yeah. point now where I've got the crew sifter because I like to take it to that oh, level. To yeah. Get, like, you were talking about the crew sister or sister with the crew sister <laughs> that you have. Uh, we, we yeah, Matt and I both like about that. Yeah. We both kind of drooled over that. I it's just, so like, yeah, my wife doesn't know what to get me for like my birthday or the holiday. So I usually just point her to something coffee. I'm like, I'm like <laughs> I don't need this. This is a really nice to have, but I use it every single morning now. Um, yeah. And on occasion, I, I won't, awesome. right? Just because I have to be, if I take my coffee to that level, like I have also have to be able to like recreate what like the every man will have in his house, right? So, well, like, yeah. yeah. So that's yeah, the thing too. You kind of too. create like the problem of the sommelier. I refer to it as. Is <laughs> yeah. Like, if you're only always drinking like the highest end, the best value, like the absolute dialed in version of what you're having, you have no idea what the other person's experience. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And I mean, I even yesterday too, I was at the supermarket and, you know, obviously we're standing six feet apart from each other and Mm -hmm. I'm in the coffee aisle and I'm just looking at a, like a thing of Folgers. I was like, should I just buy this? Like, should I just see where I'm at? Let's calibrate. Oh, buddy, you're leaps and bounds beyond. You don't even I know that. that. I know that. But it was kind of like, I haven't had a cup of Folgers, I don't know, since I was what, five years old. I have no freaking idea, right? A long time ago. You know what Um, it tastes like. (laughs) Yeah. I'll I'll tell you, Mark, at the office that I work at, there's a pot of Folgers on um, that's been probably sitting there for hours constantly. So I, and, and in extremis, I will go and, uh, and I'll have a cup of that. And I'm telling you one thing. Number one, of course, you're not missing anything. Uh, and, and number two, this, I, I what are the always, tasting notes on that, Matt? The, the tasting notes, notes the, the tasting notes are carbon. Carbon and char. That's it. That's the point, though, right? Like, yeah. So what I'm getting at, and I always cringe to, I always cringe when I expect myself to uh, to say something kind of snooty. Um, but people who drink Folgers don't give a shit what their coffee tastes like. They yeah. are just well, it, it, yeah. But like Mark was saying, it's because like maybe it's just because they don't know, and Mark wants to, you know, he wants well, to show people. Yeah. And I think you're right, Kevin, because like even when I've like a a good buddy of mine, like he ordered like six bags and he was sharing with with some of his, you know, some of his family in California. And I was talking to another buddy of mine I went to high school with kind of, you know, Zoom happy hour last weekend. Oh, nice. He's like, he's like, I love coffee, but you know, it's just that vehicle of caffeine for me. And I mean, Mm -hmm. I say this without being insulting. I'm like, well, that's fine. I'm like, you're not my customer right now. And that's not perfectly fine with that. Like, I don't, I mean, obviously I don't have a little shop. And I, I'd love to have one in the future, but like at this point, it's like even if I did, it's like 
there's only a, there's a certain clientele I'm trying to reach out to initially. Mm-hmm. It's like I want the people who who value that great cup and want to sit down and really enjoy it. I don't want you to yeah. you know just come and take it, get in the car and leave. It's like no no, there's an experience to be had you know in the cup and like that's why I like when you have the opportunity to have great espresso and you sit down mm-hmm. and they offer you a little thing of like club soda next to you know, with it. Like you're meant to sit oh there God. and savor that cup, right? Like it's not like let me just take it, take a shot of it and get the hell out of here. That's not how yeah. it, that's not how it works. Mm-hmm. Um. One of the things too, Matt, I was going to tell you is, you know, I have a background probably very similar to you in terms of like academia and like I have no experience in coffee whatsoever, right? So like I went to school, I mean, I've got my bachelor's in atmospheric science and meteorology. So like I'm a, I'm a oh, weatherman, cool. right? Like that's, yeah. Am, that's dope. <laughs> even though I work in renewables, but it's, um, that, I mean, working in renewables is my, you know, that's my 40 hour a week. That's my regular gig. And, you know, this has obviously now become my quote unquote side hustle until it becomes something more than that. Sure. Yeah. But, um, you know, I think so often many of us, especially in today's society, it's, we, that's all we know, right? My parents never owned a business. All I was ever exposed to was you go to school, you go to college, you get a career, mm-hmm. you know, have a family, have a kid, et cetera, et cetera. And that's it. Um, I think yep. today because of, you know, social media and education and stuff that you can learn yourself, because I'm 100% self-taught on all of this. Um, that's really what helps you change your destiny, right? A little bit and kind of like, I don't know how it's going to manifest itself, but you're kind of like, all right, I want to do something. To me, it's like, I want to do something in coffee. I don't know what it looks like. I don't even know how to start a business. You know, I'm just looking up things on Dr. Google. You know, I'm asking my friend, right. what it's like, what, like, how do I even form an LLC? I have no idea what the hell I'm doing. I'm like, I, I consider that. myself pretty well educated and I don't know what the heck I'm doing. It's all I crazy. completely know what you're talking about. <laughs> Yeah, seriously. Kevin, like- Kevin and I just <laughs> recently uh, formed an LLC as well because uh, we, we have some entrepreneurial goals. I guess we could probably talk about it at some point during the podcast today. Yeah, Kevin. whatever. Yeah. But um, l- one thing I want to touch on that you said. First of all, I have to make a note that uh, meteorology coming from – so I studied, uh, I studied physics and math. Okay. And – when I first was introduced to somebody who is in meteorology, my first thought was meteorology. Like, what, what is you know what does that uh, academic look like? What does that curriculum look like? It, and in my head, it, my first instinct was, oh, they're just learning how to talk on the TV to tell what the weather <laughs> is. But it's insane. It's chaos theory. It's multivariable calculus. It is intense because you're trying to predict weather systems, which are which are extremely variable on on a on a moment to moment basis. And and yep. anyway, so yep. totally dig that that whole career path. That's a really cool. Uh, I did like a, a small project in meteorology and I was blown away um, by the modeling, uh, by the advanced nature of the modeling. Well, you probably also have to know a lot of geography, too. Like one of the, yeah, like one of the fun things, well, I guess this part of the class was every Friday we'd have a quiz and, uh, and it was on airport codes. Um, what? Just, be, just because like, you know, every airport has a weather station on there. Right. So, for example, oh, yeah. like you might see like K-A-L-B. Right. And so that's Albany. Yeah. Um, but then there, like, there are a couple of weird ones in there. Like St. Johnsbury, Vermont is like one V four. 
And again, these are just stuck in my head now. Like they're just drilled into memory, not by choice, but because if you know there was like a weather report coming in, you had to be able to recognize what station that was without oh it physically saying St. Johnsbury, Vermont. You're totally you know, gonna be on like family vacation oh my gosh. and be like, Oh yeah, that's one B four. What up? <laughs> I mean the last thing I'll say about like the meteorology aspect of it was like for me, it's like my graduating class was fifteen students. But I mean oh, wow. it was on Friday nights when like my buddies are going out drinking, right? I'm sitting there in my bedroom with like colored pencils and a map drawing weather <laughs> because like this is what I had to do. It's like, all right, I, I chose this freaking path. Yeah. Not not even realizing the fact that like by the time you got to sophomore junior year, you're like, I only have like two job options. I could either one be on TV or two work for the government. And then, you know, yeah. and then it wasn't until like senior year when you finally have like a career day where like, well, I can be on TV and make shit money. And it's super competitive because if I don't want it, the next guy's going to take the job. Yeah. Or I can work in government and which is which is perfectly fine as well. But again, can be super competitive. And yeah. obviously, I was fortunate enough not to work in either of those two. I was able to find the private sector and renewables. But but man, like what an experience in terms of like going through again, like lots of work, lots of in time investment um but fortunately for me yeah. like i made it out on the on the right side of that i know a lot of you know a lot right of my 15 uh, grad you know in my graduating class who obviously are not in in industry today because it's just so challenging in the job market you only have so many options so yeah okay so you started in private sector you like here you are you have this meteorology degree what brought you to that point where you're then standing in your kitchen looking at it like basically like a pa a pan of coffee that you've now roasted and going, how do I do this? Like, what what was that period like? Like, what brought yeah, you? Yeah, um, and I guess it wasn't necessarily coffee at first either. So for me, the and I I couldn't tell you the exact date, but I remember exactly where I was. I was used to live in in Gilderland, and I was driving to work. Um, I worked just off of um, like Everett Road near Colony area, um, okay. and I was approaching, you know, in the morning. Right, I got I got my cup of crap coffee with me in the car i'm driving i hit the light at like Dewey's. washington avenue extension yeah and for some reason this is even before like i sub like submerged myself into like you know different content reading books and everything i'm looking at i'm at this red light and i'm looking across at people in front of me people beside me and everybody's eyes are just like fixated on the road as if they're just robots they are pre-programmed to go to work work come home and that's it meanwhile i'm i almost felt like i was able to like you know step out of my body for a second acknowledge the fact that like i'm trapped in this this jail cell of a car headed Whoa. to do the same exact thing yeah. and so i'm like almost like screaming for help banging up the windows you know but not really i'm like all right that for me was a defining moment i'm like I don't want to do this. This is yeah. not who I am. And I don't know how to get out, but I know I don't want to be here. And this is probably 2010, 2010, 2011. Mm -hmm. So for me, it was kind of like, all right, I don't want to be um, that robot. And again, no offense to people who want to do that because that's perfectly fine. I just knew that that wasn't for me. Yeah. Um, at the time, at that same, you know, that same story I talked about, like drawing on a, you know, with colored pencils on a weather map in college, I used to, you know, dream about opening a restaurant for me it was always about food like fine dining oh um, nice my, my sister and i have always been into wine and, and fine dining um and so i had these ideas of like opening a restaurant i wanted to call it virga which is it's rain that doesn't hit the ground so it's stuck with the meteorology theme um i thought it was Love cool that. it sounded italian like it was very different but again it's like how do I start a business? I'm in college. Or even when I got out, how am I going to do this? I have no money. I have no culinary, um, you know, training formally. Everything I do, again, self-taught, you know, shadowed my grandmother and my mother. Um, but 
you know, that entire thing started to evolve, right? From me sitting in the car saying, how do I get out of here? Uh, eventually I was like, well, I have to do something. Um, so I think it was probably 2014, 2015. Um, I decided to apply for a, uh, there was an opening for a job in Manhattan. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Thomas Keller. He's a, uh, you know, celebrity chef, owns the, the French Laundry ad hoc Bouchon in, in yep. Yonville, California. You know, Michelin Very star Very familiar, chef. yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'd watched one of his TED Talks, and one of the things that I loved from that TED Talk was he talked about, um, you know, passion, right? Everybody brings up passion. I'm passionate about this. I'm passionate about that. He uses the yep. example of asparagus, right? Spring, spring asparagus comes up. He's like, oh, I'm super passionate about this asparagus. He's like, but when I interview somebody and talk about passion, it's like, yeah, I've got spring asparagus. That's great. But passion ebbs and flows, right? So now it's a month later mm-hmm. and you still have this asparagus coming in the door. Are you equally as, you know, are you still passionate about it? Or you're like, oh, shit, yeah. I, got, I got asparagus. I just could freaking do something with it. So for him, it was more about desire. Like you have to have an unwavering desire to be a great cook, to do these things, right? So I yeah. took that little nugget. I took my entire renewable energy resume, wrote what I think to be a freaking amazing cover letter, submitted it to Thomas Keller and his and his staff in Manhattan at – um. At Bouchon, was it? This was at, um, I think it was at Bouchon, yeah. And um, within an hour, mm-hmm. I got a call back. They're just like, hey, we want oh, you to whoa. come in, um, wow. you know, do a trial as like a, as a, as a, for, as a Comey, an entry level chef. Um, so yeah. I went to the city. I did that at the time. I, I didn't, I didn't get the job, which was fine, but I was like, wow. I'm like, I got in the door to do this. Um, so fast forward a little bit later, I end up um, doing the same thing, except this time in, in Slingerlands at uh, Garden Bistro 24, which you guys might be aware of. Um, yeah, share, my, yeah. Okay. share my experience there. I actually started working there part time for about a year or so. And the funny thing there yeah. was like I was I was cooking on the line um, and everybody was like, Mark, why are you here? You probably make like really good money, you know, at your other job. Like, what are you doing here making, you know, like 10, 12 bucks an hour, whatever it was. I was like. I'm learning how to run a restaurant. I'm learning what I like, what I dislike, how things function, yep. how things dysfunction. Um, yeah. So I was just getting experience. Like for me, I didn't care about the money. I just wanted to learn what I was doing. And there's no other way for somebody to to do that. You have to like get your foot in the door and just expose yourself. So I was trying to f- figure out ways to force myself into industry so I could learn things. This is yeah. huge. Everything that That's you're saying cool. is so fucking cool. So many people <laughs> have dream. Everybody has a dream, but most people don't execute or, or even like you were saying, you know, getting back to like, we have the internet and we have the, the means if we want to seek them out to teach ourselves to do anything. Yeah. It, people have a heart and, and for, like what for perfectly good reasons, people have children, people have, families people have a lot of responsibilities in their lives that keep them from doing the things that they truly love um actually side note uh i'll never forget this my mother told me a long time ago so my mother has been uh, a nurse or in the nursing um field for my whole life and beyond i think she started when she was 18 um and she does she makes great money now she's in management but but she said uh, that her dream was to be um, like a like a reporter, um, like a news reporter, uh, like a correspondent of some sort. Oh, wow. And cool. that was always her dream. But her mother said, that's impractical. Um, you need to get a job that you can get right away. Now, remember, this is 19, this is in like the 80s. Right. Yeah. And yeah. and so she was like, you should just be in, you should go into nursing 
and be a nurse because there are there's yeah. a need for nurses. And so my mom went into nursing and she's told me many times now that she always thinks back like, well, you know, what what if what if I did go and chase that dream? That's the worst. I guess, <laughs> yeah, and we all live with that. Like, what if, you know, that that regret uh, everybody has something they wish they did at a certain time. Um, yeah. I love that you had a, a, a dream, had an interest in something and like me, had a job that paid really well. That was like, you know, per, that provided perfectly for you and your family. Um, but you still knew in your heart that you wanted more. And so you sought it out. Uh, you have said so many things so far in like the 25, 30 minutes we've been talking that I'm like, you and I are like the same person. Cause I had <laughs> yeah, the, you same guys are on the same journey. I had the same existential crisis, like sitting in a car where mm-hmm. I'm like, what the fuck are we doing? You know, yeah, like, you called me that day. You called I, me when you had that crisis. I've had. Yeah. Yes. I did yeah. call you once. Yeah. And it's yeah. mean, I mean, now too, I mean, not that, you know, having my son change things for me, but and again, to each his own, but like, I'm not going to use, you know, my nine, my 10 month old son as an excuse for me not to achieve my goals. Right. And so like last year, like Kevin, as we were talking before this thing kicked off, like, you know, I'm an Ironman triathlete. I've done a handful of them. I'm, I I love, I love endurance running, et cetera. But like, I set out to just do a half Ironman in Lake Placid last September. Right. My son was born in in June. Um, and people are like, Oh, you know, once you have a kid, you, you're not going to do that anymore. You're not going to do it. I'm like, you know what? Screw you guys. I'm like, I'm going to do what I put my mind to. Cause it's like, yeah, yeah, we have a schedule with him. That's fine. So obviously I achieved it. I did perfectly fine. Um, Uh I, I ran great. And like at the same time, like I will never, ever use my son as an excuse not to achieve things. That's just a yeah. cop out. I'm like, yeah. if you really want to go and do it. And so the fact that I, you know, I kicked off a company with a, a 10 month old amidst an economic crisis, you know, yeah. people would be like, what are you doing? <laughs> it's like, well, yep. you know, like that's not going to stop what I'm like. I have a, I have an agenda. Like I'm going to keep moving whether or not people buy anything from me. That's I don't, I don't care right now. I just want to get yeah. it out there. And I want to, I want, I want to share this with, with people who care about it, you know? No, that's I. That's what I was gonna say when you were talking about. You know, uh, Matt had mentioned how like there are a lot of people would you know come up with excuses or things like that. I think the flip the flip way of saying that is it it takes a certain type of person to recognize the difference between having a passion like for that asparagus that just came in the door that you're really excited about or having that desire. Like it takes a certain type of person to recognize. Oh, this is actually a burning desire of mine. I that's need right. to do this. I have to force myself into industry. I have to like go and put in the work really. And I think that's what like the telling mark of someone who is passionate about something, who talks about a lot, who thinks about a lot, who reads about a lot, or someone who is actually fulfilling a desire, someone who literally will throw themselves into a kitchen and learn how to make pasta like you do. Um, Or like, you know, or like throw themselves into and go, Oh, I don't even know how to start an LLC, but we're going to freaking do it. Like we're, we're yeah. going to, we're going to figure it out. And there might be some mistakes along the way. And I'm willing to accept that because the end result is what I'm going for. I have a goal in mind. I have but you, to drive for that. And you're right, Kevin. Cause it's like, you have to, it's okay to fall on your face. Right. Yeah. At the end of the, at the end of the day, it's like, 
the graph has to be going up and to the right, and it's going yep. to iterate above and below that line that's in a, that perfect you know one to one line. It's going yep. to do that, right? But as yep. long as it's continuing to go up and to the right, you're headed in the right trajectory, yeah. right? So it's okay to like make mistakes, but if you don't do anything, then you're not going to achieve anything. And like for me personally, I know yeah. I can't I can't live wondering what if. How do yeah. I how do I tell my son? Oh, I always wanted to start a business, but I didn't have the courage to do it. For what? Like for me to do this out of my basement, it's like, yeah, you know, there is financial cost of that. Yeah, but I mean, I'm trying to do this all with with cash. I'm not trying to take on debt to do it. That's why yeah. everything I'm offering is limited and small supply right now because yeah, eventually it will grow organically. That's what I want to happen. But I mean, at the That's same true. time, I'm like, I'm gonna, I'll make it. I'll, I'll do what I can with what I've got, and mm -hmm. we'll see where it goes from there. Yeah. Um, but that's all you can do. And yeah. so often I'll talk to my friends and I'll be like, so what do you want to do? Like, what's your dream? Oh, I don't know. I don't have a dream. And that's bullshit. <laughs> you have, you have one. It's somewhere yeah, in do. there, they but do. they don't know what it is. Well, they're Mark, not thinking you, about it. Mark, where do you find time? Uh, yeah. I make time, but I don't, you yeah. know, I have two, I have two kids. I got a job. I was like, get up at four thirty in the morning. If it's important get, like, to you, make time. That's exactly right. So yeah, just, Jocko Willink would be, would be very proud of you. That's one of my – I mean I, I call these people indirect mentors, right? Jocko Willing, Jordan Peterson, Aubrey Marcus, yep. Gary Vaynerchuk, like all yeah. that content. People will say bullshit. They'll laugh at me when they say like how did this occur? Where did you really get the spark? It's like that stuff, those books. Um, no, no, no. That 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 will change your life for the better. Trust me. Like this, it's not it's not bullshit. <laughs> I will yeah. say this book is is kind of corny. I'm looking at it on my shelf right now. This book is kind of corny, um, but my – my daily routine and my health had never been so good as when I was in the midst of reading Own the Day, Own Your Life by Aubrey Marcus. Amen. Um, it's really just mm. – it, it, and you mm -hmm. can even – you can even – here's a little cheat code for anybody listening. Put that in the show notes. I will, yeah. yeah. Um, a little cheat code to that. That's a really great book, and it's really easy. Uh, he, he's not like a, a, an eclectic writer. It's, he's very just kind of like blunt, like straightforward to the point. Um, is you can skip to the back of the book where he takes all of his, he starts like the, the book is structured, uh, as if you're going to live the one perfect day, like the, mm. the optimal day. And he talks about how you achieve, you know, whether it's, you know, what you do in the morning with like a cold shower or how you like jumpstart mm. your body with, you know, like water and, and salt and lemon to yeah. rehydrate you and everything. Right. All the way through to the end of the night. You can actually skip to the back of the book and he just like collects it all into one like here's what the day looks like if you're interested. Um, but it's definitely a good read. I think all like three or four people that you just mentioned I have listened to in some capacity or another and been like blown away by. Um, and it's these like it's these uh, like free thinkers that I, I think a lot of people aren't um, exposed to. Because yeah. they're not a part of the mainstream and like mainstream media kind of weirdly like ignores them. Yeah. Um, it's hard it to find good does. indirect mentors like that. Dude, I never realized that until you just said it. Yeah, they are not like being interviewed on mainstream media. They're, they're purposefully ignoring them. It's like a gated community that it's doesn't the, want to bring those people in. It's the voice of change, right? And so this yeah. is something I was telling my I was telling my wife the other day too, not related to this, but I mean, it, basically they're the voice of change. And like, if you think back to like old times when you used to like kill a witch at the stake, right, or burn her burn her alive, it was kind of or this poison is the voice Socrates. of change. Yeah, right? yeah. This, this one thing is not in tune, and so we have to kill that thing. And so oh they'll, they'll my God. blur it out, right? Yeah, because so it, it doesn't 
Yeah, right. It it doesn't like affect their bottom line positively. You can think Correct. about it that way, like because it's it's the power of the media and it's the power of sales, right? It's it's just a wow. yeah, it's crazy because these of people aren't bad being people. interviewed. Yeah, no, I mean exactly, and it's like they all have their own thoughts. They're all they're all saying valid things, and honestly, too, it's how you interpret what's coming at you. And this is why, like, I always tell my friends too, we're in a tough spot. I was like, oh, if you listen to this one podcast with Aubrey Marcus and Jordan Peterson, and I've listened to that same podcast probably like five times because I take something away from it every single time. Yeah. But I'm like, you're going to interpret it and see how. It just happens to fit that one aspect of your life mm-hmm. different than it fit mine, but it can change you. But mm-hmm. you have to be willing to like accept that medicine. If you don't want the medicine, it ain't going to help you. You know, yeah, that's the totally. thing. And I, I don't mean medicine as in like, oh, yeah, you're sick to the head. It's like we can all glean something from a, a, any of these, you know, contributors, any okay, of this content yeah. that's out there. You know, if, if you don't want the vitamin. <laughs> that's, yeah, if you don't that's want the vitamin. What it is. Yeah. Take your vitamins. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, um, all right. So wait. So, okay. So all this ahead. passion, this drive, all this stuff, yep. just to redirect the conversation, it brought you to this point where like, you know, you've had this realization. You're like, oh, crap, I don't want to be in this machine. I need to do something. So then you're getting yourself into industry. You think you want to own a restaurant. Yep. What brought you to coffee, though? Like, what? Okay. We're, so, we're almost there. I feel like we're, we're almost there. Yeah, sorry. So, yeah. No, it's um, good. I love it. <laughs> so after working at, like, Garden Beach or doing that, um, mm-hmm. I ended up getting a job opportunity in San Francisco. Um, okay. So flew out there with uh, with my wife, worked there for two years for a, a big company, um, maybe about awesome. 5,000, 6,000 people um, called First Solar. Um, but basically... I worked there for two years. I was part of an unfortunate layoff. And then I, that once again, wow. another realization moment, like, well, shit, I just moved out across the country. What I thought was making good money, but barely paying my bills living in the Bay Area. Oh, um, yeah. Yep. All right. So I had another opportunity, went to Seattle, yada, 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 worked there for a year. And then we ended up back in the capital region. But all along that time, right, I discovered more and more, you know, great coffee, right? Especially being out in the Bay Area. Seattle. And, you know, Seattle. Yeah. Um, for me, my first introduction, especially coffee, was really a show on Travel Channel called Dangerous Grinds with Todd Carmichael, who was the founder, I think, co-owner of uh, La Colombe in Philadelphia. Oh, wow. Right. It, it would basically, um, you know, follow him as he went to these little, uh, to these new regions sourcing coffee, you know, at the source, right? Meeting with the farmer saying, yeah, this is what I want for this espresso. And I was like, wow, you can do that. That's crazy. Um, So obviously all along that same period that I'm referencing, now this is all like 2015 to two years ago. um, I've kind of just exposed myself to more and more different coffees, single origins, blends, different equipment. And obviously you get more and more sophisticated. and that dream of owning a restaurant is still there. Again, I still just don't know yeah. what to do with it. I'm like, I need you know, tens of thousands of dollars to even get this idea off the ground. Hundreds of yeah. thousands of dollars. I have no idea what I'm doing. I don't even know how to like look for like capital or you know raise capital. So mm-hmm. my dream is still there. It's kind of just um, shrunk in the sense that all right what can I take and make it small enough that I can handle it myself? Start with something, mm-hmm. basically establish Mark Romatico as the brand um, and then continue to grow from there. Um, wow. And so for me, it was, all right, I can do coffee. Uh, to me, I feel like it would be relatively low cost. I can do this out of my house to start, um, hopefully gain some acceptance, get a customer base, and then kind of grow from there, right? With the idea being a uh, coffee roaster to maybe a small cafe, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe get one of those kick-ass Slayer espresso machines like they have at Crew, uh-huh. um, right? And then, yeah. you know, 
And then from there, it's like, oh, cool. Now I can offer some sort of pastry or some sort of like tapa or something small mm -hmm. that I can then put my spin on. And then it maybe it grows from there. Then all of a sudden it becomes a small, you know, cafe that offers lunch. And again, I have my spin on it. Maybe then, you know, and so it starts to grow. And, and yeah. that's what I'm looking to do. I want it to snowball, but I have to start with a single snowflake. And that's what I'm considering Constellation to be. Dude, I'm going to say right now, if you did tapas, by the way, in Mechanicville, you would kill it. <laughs> there's nothing in totally. Mechanicville. Yeah, no offense exactly. to Mechanicville, but there's no, nothing. No, no, but like but then you got all those people in Malta that have to drive to Saratoga. They'd be like, no, we're going to Mechanicville. We're going to <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, um, okay. So yeah, no, so then you've got so now you've got this company. And and so your idea was I I need to do something small that I can handle myself. So you start roasting coffee. That's right. Yeah, so I start roasting coffee. I realize and I consider myself really critical, especially like a food and drink period. Mm -hmm. I mean you know, my friends would potentially call me like a food Nazi because I'm just like, oh, this is this is not just <laughs> yeah. not even a foodie like beyond. Yeah, like, like, it, yeah you know, it's kind of like this is <laughs> this is hot garbage type of thing. So <laughs> I get to this point where like I'm I'm doing it in a frying pan, but I'm also yeah. again being super critical of what I'm what I'm what I'm sipping in the cup. I'm like, mm. I think this is good. And I mean, even though it's scorched, I'm like, I'm getting different flavor notes. I'm getting all okay. these different things that I'm trying to identify, right? Okay. No different, again, for anybody listening who hasn't really dug really deep in especially coffee, even though most of you probably have, it's like, it's similar to like whiskey when you're trying to find that citrus note or that cream, or you're drinking wine and you're like, oh, yeah. this tastes like earth and clay, et cetera. So same thing with coffee. So, mm -hmm. you know, you're able to pull out those individual flavors. Um, so again, I just keep buying one pound bags, five pound bags of green, just to try different varieties and continue to iterate on the roast, get to a point where you're happy with. And you're like, um, the frying pan then became uh, a popcorn popper on the stovetop, right? I still have yeah. in the basement, hand cranking this thing out. I throw a temperature probe <laughs> in there. Just so I can think, oh, when is first crack happening? Okay, I think it's roughly here. I have no freaking idea because I've got <laughs> a probe with a wire dangling around in there while I'm spinning this freaking thing. But again, the coffee gets better. It keeps getting yeah. better. Are you in? Are you in these uh these like coffee subreddits like the roasting subreddits? Because I I see a lot of people on Reddit with uh, popcorn poppers. <laughs> I'm not. So again, I I am like I'm so far out of like the Reddit community. Everything I've been doing, and maybe this is challenging, and maybe this is good. I have no idea. Has been solo, right? I've right. I mean I I've, I've tried to reach out to a couple of folks, which is how Kevin and I met. It's kind of yep. like I'd like to get exposed to. You know, it's a it's a big coffee business, like how things are happening more on a commercial scale. Because yep. um, ultimately, the day you need to have like a mentor to kind of see how things function. But honestly, all of my education and all of like community for me has been videos on YouTube. Um, yeah. I will say for anybody who wants to learn a lot about roasting, you know, like it's almost like a shout out to Mill City Roasters in Minnesota. Like they have oh, so yeah, many they have cool videos from start to finish. You can get you can narrow down yeah. on the science, or they've simplified it straight through like you know comparing it to like a matchbox car going down like a ramp right Looking yeah they did a like they did a really good job communicating the information in their videos like the the language is very like straightforward prose like yeah that's it, that's that's exactly where like i was able to learn everything i know about roasting that's how yeah. i find out what first crack was like all these different mm -hmm. things all these steps that you need in coffee roasting yeah um and obviously like we got to the point where you know i told my wife i'm like I want to do this. Obviously, I just want to save up some money so I can, you know, invest in the roaster. Yes. Um, and we got to that point, you know, this past year. You know, I what roaster it. did you get? So it's a it's a small it's a it's a one kilogram roaster. It's called the Elio Bullet. Um, it's it's okay. uh, it's electric. It's not gas. Um, so you know, you just plug it right in. It gives you full full temperature and fan control or whatnot too. I mean, it looks it looks That's really cool. sleek. It doesn't look like yeah. a regular commercial roaster and. 
I did want to invest in, you know, in a gas roaster, like a, a one kilogram from Mill City, but the the difference in price is like 2x, you know, and like, I don't, yeah. again, if I'm trying to do this with what I have in my pocket. So it's like, if I can get something for half the price, that's getting great reviews, it is kind of changing the industry a little bit in terms of how, oh, wow. how you because in the past, you know, electric roasters didn't really have a good rap, but this one is mm -hmm. getting pretty good reviews. And obviously, I'm happy with what's in the cup. Um, from what I'm hearing and feedback, that you know, the, the cup still tastes good. Yeah. Um, it the does. biggest. Thank you. <laughs> the biggest challenge I, I find, though, with a small roaster, and you know, you don't have this problem with big commercial roasters. It's like, you know, if you're doing like a, a 10 to 50 kilo batch at a time. Um, boom, you got 50 kilos of consistent coffee. For me, it's, mm -hmm. I throw this Congo in the roaster and I'm doing, you know, 800 to a, you know, a full charge being one kilo at a time. I've got this nice profile where I'm looking at, you know, temperature, rate of rise, et cetera. And mm -hmm. for me to ensure that I've, I've got consistency, I have to recreate that, right? So I think, yes. I don't know if you guys saw last night, but like I'll, I'll frequently be cupping my batches to make sure that I'm obtaining the same flavor profiles because yep. a one kilo batch, that means I'm, you know, I'm making, you know, two and a half bags um, that I can sell each shot. Right. And yeah. so if, if the next batch I do somehow looks like it, the temperature ended one degree too soon, or it, you know, hit first crack 30 seconds later, you yeah. know, for me, because I'm still learning, right. Like I said, this is, I'm going to continue to learn through this entire process. Um, I got to make sure it tastes the same. And obviously there's yeah. a lot that can happen in the coffee bean, you know, after it goes, after, it, you know, hits first crack, et cetera. So, oh yeah. It's very challenging to, to 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 replicate, but I like that challenge to make sure that I'm, you know, it tests me as as a as a as a new roaster basically um, to do yeah. that. But obviously, when I um, for I guess when, in terms of single origins, it's not I'm not as concerned because again I, I do have limited supply because um, mm -hmm. eventually right when the Congo's gone I'm gonna look I'm already you know I've got a couple of samples coming in from other regions that I got to start um, roasting and, and profiling for for monthly subscribers, mm -hmm. um, but it's once I start getting into blends, right. Cause I have a lot of folks that want me to do an espresso blend or like a breakfast blend. And um, yep. I'd love to do that, but that's really where I need to be able to replicate. Cause that has to be consistent every single time. Like I'm there coming you. to constellation because I like this cup. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. Cause with a blend you're, you have to dial in like two or three different coffees and they all have to be roasted approximately the same, right. So that you get the same notes out of the blend. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean that depends on what you're doing, right? And so, like some of the research that I've been doing on espresso, because again, I haven't, I haven't taken that step to try to roasting on the dark side, really. But it's like you'll want to pull from like three different origins, and some of them you might want to take darker so you can really get the caramel note, you know, maybe a little bit of the mm -hmm. carbony flavor, not too much, right? And then you maybe you want a Kenya, so you have something sweet and acidic, like to pop up on the front, and then maybe something standard like a Columbia to give it more body. Um, and this is all, totally. and it's all various percentages. I mean, there are single origin espressos that exist. I just haven't gotten oh, yeah. yet, right? And so this Honestly, is- Well, yeah, and espresso blends, I mean, I think the main reason that they exist is a lot of people are looking to get like more crema out of something that maybe doesn't yeah. have it or like add a little citrus or take away from the acidity because that's a problem that you can run into with that. So like, that's why you see more espresso blends. For sure. Single origin, for sure. And it's like, even when I was working with- um, uh, I was working with with Black Dog out of Glens Falls to help with you know my brand design. Oh, you know, yeah. I, I gave you know them you know, yeah, gave them a sample of coffee. I was like, here you go. And um, Chris over there was like, oh yeah, can I throw this to the espresso machine? I was like, no, stop, don't do that because like <laughs> it, it doesn't taste good. No, like, I, I, like again, this is this is the challenge. Like I am not in control of what someone does with my coffee. No, I you're know not. If I put it in the espresso machine, it's gonna come out super sour and like stringent. I'm like, oh yeah, this roast is not optimized for that. And so no. 
as as my website continues to grow a little bit, like I'm trying to infer, like I would recommend brewing this way for starters. And then when yes. I get to that point, then you can but, kind of do that. But again, people have to be able to explore that a little bit. And so I'm well, trying to help educate. The best thing you can do is just give your recommendation too, because then, you know, the people who are really into it are definitely going to take it to heart. And some people are going to go, oh, well, that's not how I normally make it. Maybe I'll try it differently. <laughs> well, and the people that aren't really into it are given a path, right, to, to yeah. make your coffee or, or to, like, again, I'm always focused on the consumer who isn't well-versed in, in specialty coffee. So, you know, they're a little intimidated. They don't have any of the gear, maybe, or maybe they just bought their first French press or something. And so they're like, I don't know. What do I, how do I grind it? You know, And so yeah. giving them a, a some sort of a recipe, they go, okay, that look, yeah. okay, so I got to bring this to my favorite cafe and say, hey, can you grind this for me on, you know, for a French press? And then I'm going to put this water in um yeah at this temperature for this long and um anyway i had a i actually had a question of you you mentioned this you know a couple minutes ago now so you have traveled you have moved your your family although at this point when you moved you didn't you didn't have your son um across the country so my first thought was wow your, your wife must be really supportive of you kind of like following your dreams um, how was that? Like, was she like immediately like, yes, let's go. Or was there some convincing? What did that look like? Um, so for, for us at the time, I was kind of, you know, we already talked about me being stuck in that jail cell of work, but I had reached a point in my career in, in Albany, at least where I felt like I was, there's nothing more. I, I couldn't grow any further. Right. I'm like, mm. I'm capped out. I don't know what mm -hmm. to do. And, um, things were going kind of sour with like me and management there too. I was starting to become more of a smart ass and like, it's just shit didn't make sense to me. A lot of it didn't make sense. So like I had to be, I was on the way out anyway. So when I got the job offer, um, you know, I told Grace, my wife, I was like, you know, uh, it's in San Francisco. Like we can pack up and go type of thing. And obviously we weren't married yet. Um, so that would, that made it kind of like, uh, well, what are we doing? Um, so yep. she was super on board to do it because she knew this was the only opportunity we had. We kind of knew that, you know, we were we were meant for each other. Right. So this was going to be a long term thing. This is going to be life. Mm -hmm. um, so, we, yeah, we she was on board with that. Uh, again, this at the time had nothing to do with coffee. This was still me and renewables and solar. But yeah, it was it was a good change. Right. It was again, it was, it was good money, a great opportunity for me to work, continue to work in industry. Um, mm hmm. Then when I got laid off, this was, I mean, we already had a, a wedding date set, like, you know, the following summer. Um, wow. I'm sitting there and I'm just like, well, all right, well, now we're in a weird spot, right? Because I'm in the middle of the Bay Area. I have no job. Um, she has a job out in, 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 like, the Oakland area and, you know, not making great money. I'm like, well, so now what do we do? Um, at that point, that's when I got the opportunity. Again, same industry. You make a lot of contacts um, to work for a company called Clean Power Research out in, in Kirkland, Washington. Mm -hmm. Um she wasn't really on board with going to Seattle. That wasn't kind of a desirable location. Um, obviously, the Bay Area is, for anybody who hasn't been out there, it's absolutely beautiful. And at the time, we were about 45 minutes south of Napa Valley, where we spent a lot of our time. Yeah. Um, Love but Napa I mean, Valley. yeah, absolutely gorgeous. But when we got to Seattle, you know, we worked there for a year. I worked, uh, you know, doing, you know, renewable stuff. And then uh, my wife was working in pharmaceuticals. Um, and we got to a point like, within a year, we just, she kind of asked me, she's like, what would you think about moving back to New York? And mm -hmm. at the time I was like, 
I don't know. I'm like, you know, we always wanted to go west. Again, this is one of those things with people who don't know what they want to do with themselves because they just they, they basically get stuck in the capital region. Like, oh, I'm never leaving. It's like, dude, you got to oh, you just got to yeah. go and see the freaking country. Like, it's absolutely gorgeous. Like, just Seriously. go. You can always come back. Um, so then that's when we kind of decided, you know what, let's um, yeah, let's let's come back. Um, so, you know, we moved back uh, probably two marches ago now, two years ago. And um you know, found a house, you know, got pregnant and, you know, it's great because part of the real reason of coming back is not like, yeah, let's go to Albany. This is a desirable place to live. It was more <laughs> or less, it's, you know, we have friends here, you know, we have family here, you know, we have roots here. Um, it's home. It, it, it's exactly right. At the end of the day, yeah. it's home. And so I can always go back to California. I can always go back to Seattle. You know, we can move to Colorado. It's like, I'm happy to say again, we did it right. And like, you know, yeah, we were able to do these things and I can share these photos and stories with my, you know, with my son and Wanda and be like, oh, we did these things. And I know now because we did it, that we're going to travel a lot as he continues to grow and he'll get exposed to those things that if I never, like, if I didn't take that job in California, I don't know what I'd be doing. You know, I, maybe yeah. I wouldn't, yeah. Constellation wouldn't be here. I, maybe I would just still be, you know, doing what I'm doing in my nine to five, being unhappy um, mm-hmm. and not realizing it. So that's super inspirational. Damn. I love that story, man. Boop. Future Matt here. We're going to take a quick 60-second break to talk about today's sponsor. There, there's. We could talk to you for hours, but I want to cut. I'm not going to cut the conversation, but I want to jump really quick into yeah. our second segment, which is, Kevin. Oh, what's your jam? What's your jam? Well, okay, hold on. I let's let's break down this Congo real quick. Let's talk Do about. You want to break down the Congo, coffee. then yeah. we'll talk about the jam. Oh yeah. Because oh, yeah. <laughs> here's what we've done. So we've got Mark. He's traveled the country. He started up his company. He's roasting in a pan, then a popcorn roaster. Then he gets his uh, his new roaster. He's learned a lot. He's dialing it in. He's cupping on his own. This is the actual product that we have from that story. Yeah, Kevin's Kevin's been right now. Kevin's been trying to coerce you to to flirt with you to get to this point, and here we are <laughs> now talking about the cup. I've been guiding the conversation. Yes, you're you're a very good uh, co-host. <laughs> oh, thanks, buddy. Um, yeah. So, okay. So so you've got this Congolese. You found it. You said through an importer, which was so yeah. So I know I mentioned. Uh... Mill City Roasters, right? They have a, a very good relationship. Maybe their co-owner, actually, I don't even know the whole thing, with Cafe Imports, also out of Minnesota. Okay. Okay. Um, Cafe Imports sells, you know, full-size bags, 70-kilo bags or whatnot, too, right? I'm clearly yep. not at that point where I'm going to be you know, <laughs> carrying, you know, 70-kilo bags. You know, Into your basement. Yeah, exactly. It's not going to work like that. So, yeah. Um, uh, La Bodega, which is, uh, you know, a sub-company, I guess, of Cafe Imports, okay. still offers um, – a smaller option of beans from Cafe Imports. Again, all high quality stuff, at least the Congo itself. I mean, that's, you know, it's it's organic, it's fair trade certified, okay. um, but they offer it in 50 pound bags, right? So it's bags that you can ship, bags that you can carry, um, but it gives me access to, you know, some of the best beans in, you know, the world has to offer period, right? Yeah. I have options, right? And it, it falls in line with, you know, when things are getting harvested, when things are getting delivered and coming to market. And so that's what I want, right? It's an evolution of of coffee throughout the year. It's it's seasonal. Yeah, there are some yeah. regions where you can get it year round. I think Sumatra's in Colombia, for example, but other regions like Congo, who you don't really see a lot of Congo because, you know, it, no, you it don't. was it was um, pretty big on the map back in the 90s. And then because of civil wars or whatnot, the whole thing kind of fell through. And now it's really starting to show up back on the scene. Oh, and so cool. this is one where you know, a lot of people haven't been exposed to it. And so I want to be able yeah. to, all right, let's, let's bring this and see what this tastes like. Right. Because I've got, 
Um, I had my Kenya, my Kiranyaga County one yep. that I think, I don't think I shared with that with you guys, but you I didn't. still have some of that. But when cupping these side by side, just for S and giggles, um, if you sip your Congo and then go back and, you know, taste the Kenya, the Kenya tastes like bright passion fruit. It is, it is so different. It almost, mm. it takes something drastically different to bring out how exotic, you know, of a flavor you can get from something super bright, like a Kenya or an Ethiopia. Yeah. And so that's what, that's what's, um, you know, some of the, the inspiration too, right? Like I'll buy yeah. samples just to kind of figure out, well, can I get something different? Cause ultimately yeah. when I say no two coffees are the same, there are some inherent notes that are, you know, quite obvious, yeah. but I'm like, is there, is there really a basil? Does it really smell like Coca-Cola? Are you just pulling yeah. my skin? Um, but well, no, and that's, that's the cool thing about this is like, uh, some people would say that, um, I, I've come across some people who are staunchly against having any sort of a vegetal note in coffee, but I think it's because they've had a bad experience with coffee that wasn't roasted properly that had a vegetal note. This actually has a really pleasant vegetal yeah. note to it. Um, a good friend of ours, uh, Nick and I, are always like talking about um, when we get like a good coffee with a vegetal note, we're, we call it lunch coffee. We're like, oh, this is good lunch coffee. I'm going to have this with a sandwich. You sure. know, like, yeah. Um, <laughs> I've never heard that. <laughs> oh, dude, yeah. No, well, you know, it's Nick Fernie and I, and we're oh, like, yeah. we're like, yeah, that's our midday coffee. We we want that like tomato basil note to it, like the acid, the acidity. We want to lean into like that veggie side of things, and it's really good. And this coffee does have a basil note to it. It does have like a kohala nut, Coca Cola, you know, like a uh, caramel and baking spice type note to it. Um, that's right. Yeah. Do you do you have any insight as to what? brought those flavors to this bean to this particular roast that you got uh so, so to this particular region um honestly one of the biggest goals i have for myself and this will probably be over the next couple of years i'd love to start to travel to to some of these places i know i think uh -huh. you know luke from cruise said he's gonna have some opportunity to just travel with the importers to go directly to country and find out but like yeah obviously not having the opportunity to do that i can't necessarily say yes it's the altitude that's causing that sort of you know maybe uh acidity you're getting on the front note right because maybe okay. it was deprived of some water at a higher altitude or whatnot yeah. um, i'm sure that lake kivu which is right near where all a lot of the congo is being um you know harvested from mm -hmm. has a huge impact on it right the climate conditions etc oh yeah um, other things like is the bean being shaded you know with the where's the where's the coffee shrub growing um that yeah. all has a huge impact on it so not being able to to see these in person and being out there, it's hard for me to specifically say yes. It's this so you know, it's this alluvian volcanic soil that's causing this flavor. But um, you know, without a doubt, that you know, the terroir of this region are bringing out these specific notes to this specific bean. Yeah, um, I just thought of this like having that meteorology background and then also being into coffee. You might end up pulling off like some modern day Plato stuff. You know, like how he predicted the uh, like the really good rain season. And then invested oh, yeah. in wine and like yeah. basically lived the rest of his life, like just chilling because he knew that it was going to be a great season for wine. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's I mean, that's what professional meteorology is. It's like there is a couple of a, a small side note, everybody, dun, 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 um, <laughs> a, 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 a small group of meteorologists who literally will forecast conditions like what is the weather going to be like in Florida for the season? Oh, shit. We're going to have a lot of oranges. Let's invest in oranges. Like not the oh, meteorologists, whoa. but the big companies. Oh. Right, That's like cool. we're gonna put all of our money in orange crop, or, or right, like corn, you, you could corn. be, yeah, you could be like um, an advisor, or right, like you could be some sort of a, yeah, um, yeah you're essentially like, yeah, yeah, you're an advisor, yeah. That's awesome. Exactly. So it's like, 
I haven't gotten to that point yet where it's kind of like, well, what is the season going to even look like for these areas? Like, yeah, we yeah. know what the harvest schedules are. Those are pretty consistent, right? Those are seasonal, mm-hmm. but it's like, what is the season in India? Did they actually get uh, monsoon? monsoon? Did they not get monsoon? Yeah. Like, is it yeah. was it small or was it great? For like, you know, meteorology, we talk about some things called intraseasonal oscillations, right? Big words, everybody. But that's basically El Nino and La Nina. How does that impact the precipitation and how thing, oh, you know, yes. how much rainfall stuff is getting, right? And so again, to tie it back to wine for a short second, right? It's like, how much rainfall will Napa Valley get this year? Is that going to make the grapes, um, you know, thicker? Are they going to be, you know, more higher water content, not as concentrated, yep. right? And so all of a sudden, you're not going to get as much fruit out of it. Well, um, you can do the it... same with coffee. 100%. Yep. Yeah. 100%. Yeah, it's nuts, man. I uh, love how this conversation is, like, so perfectly curated to, like, how does weather affect coffee and, and how – I'm assuming like as part of this conversation, we, we've alluded to the fact that you're probably going to be able to have insight in this in some way because of your background in meteorology. I think that's that's oh, such a cool yeah. angle to, yeah. to coffee that I've never really thought about before. Yeah, it's I'd love to take it there over the, you know big picture like as yeah. this thing a whole thing evolves um i'd love to like i said this is a, a learning process like every day if i'm not learning something then like what am i even doing yeah so i have to make sure that i'm like learning more about you know more about congo more about kenya more about the farms where these are coming from right? like, i kind of want that full traceability at least as much as i can get to, mm-hmm. to see exactly where this coffee is coming from and, and why it tastes the way it tastes and like one of the maybe the last time i'll have to to wine is there's a, a winery in Napa Valley called uh, Stag's Leap Vineyards or Stag's Leap yeah. Wine Cellars, excuse me, right? And so, a lot of people know them. Yeah, yeah, they, they were the first, I think, a North American winemaker to beat out the French in the blind tasting in the 70s. Um, mm-hmm. They have a okay. creek, I think it's called, I think it's Fay Creek that runs through their property. And okay. there's obviously grapes on both sides. There's one called SLV, which is Stag's Leap Vineyard, and one called Fay. And if you, and literally this creek is probably no more than like three feet across. Um, if you taste the wine from either side of the creek, they taste completely different. Completely different. That's you would so think, funny. And I'm like, wow, like this is the perfect example of exactly what is terroir. It's not just a fancy French word. It's like, no, this is real stuff. It's it's real yeah. shit. It's like where the grape grows and like where the coffee grows mm-hmm. is going to impart that stuff. And like you go to France, you have something like a Chateau Neuf de Pep, whatever. Like it, the, the mm-hmm. wine grows in rocks. Like you drink that wine, it tastes like wet dirty rock and that's yes. desirable to some people not to others but i mean i love that one <laughs> i think ultimately even if even if a a coffee roaster doesn't admit it because maybe they don't know but like you're really trying to just impart everything of where that thing is coming from where the, yeah. where the coffee bean is coming from into your coffee and yeah, you're, yeah you're if you like... want to if you want to take it yourself and like you know take it a little bit darker and impart some of your own you know roaster on it that's yeah. fine, uh, but ultimately you're trying to showcase what the bean has to offer, and that's it's all about its place and climate. Yeah, it's letting the like, coffee it's, speak for itself. Yeah, that's it's right. like it's like creative input and tribute at the same time. That's right. I mean, it's yeah. it's organic matter, right? That's what we're dealing yeah. with here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's cool. Uh, all right, Matt. Okay, now we can do what's your jam. I'm what's, I'm satiated now. <laughs> what's your jam? Oh, and believe me, there's plenty more to talk about after this. I figured we just do a little. <laughs> I, w- I wonder if we should make a jingle at one point for the what for each of the segments. I think that'd be so funny. I think you should make a jingle. I was hoping I you had like the... an intro theme song or something. 
We do, I, Matt. Uh, we have like a little lo-fi theme song that plays. You'll hear it in the podcast. Yeah, you, you did you hear it. in the the last one? You you said you listened to the one with Ron. Did you hear? The yeah, little... honestly, I don't remember if I heard the intro. I got I, got, I think I got so involved in what you and Ron were talking about that I don't even remember the intro. <laughs> yeah, it was a good conversation. It was a great. Well, have, have you chatted with Ron? Have you? Guys no, been? I, I haven't. Oh, so I'm like I'm to... looking forward to that opportunity because I was like connect. I was like, yeah, damn. We'll link like, you guys up. It's great. <laughs> yeah, once once all this like you know quarantine podcasting at home we're like following protocols when we even like see people uh goes away we'll definitely start introducing people and you know getting the community back together please oh i, I just, just want to give I some hugs it. man yeah we miss hugs anyway <laughs> matt what are you listening to this week what am i listening to you know it's so funny that i brought up this oh topic also matt I, the so the flashlight on your phone has been on this whole time. <laughs> That's awesome. I just Thank wanted you. to point that out. I, I there was no natural that. point in the conversation where I would have been. I wouldn't have been interrupting. Well, thankfully, to, like, point that out. <laughs> but I, now that I've got a second <laughs> for the last hour, it's been out. Yeah, it's just been on. <laughs> okay. I've been uh, looking at it like, when do I tell him? Yeah. <laughs> well, thankfully, we don't release the videos yet. No. So. All right. Um. What do you got? So what? What have I been listening to? What's my jam? Um, okay, here's a fun one. Uh, do you remember the band Pillowhead, Kevin? Yeah, yeah, Paul with, Hake. Uh, Paul Hake. Yeah. Pa- they, they came out with a 2020 EP, and I was just jamming that recently. It's oh, called cool. Love is Sick. Oh, sweet. Um, it's got a couple of their throwbacks from, I don't even know, what, 2010, 2011? Oh, probably God, early. 20, yeah, 2011, 2012. So was listening to that jamming throwback uh, to when we played music together. That was yeah. A weird time, oh my man. god, great times. That's cool, man. Mark, what do you listen to? What What do you listen to on a weekly basis? Listen so to Roasting or whatever. Yeah, for me, it's really been a lot of like deep house. So I come from a, a place of yeah, ultra music festival, you know, techno oh, trance, yeah. etc. And then I think as I've as I've matured in my my ripe age of 33 years old, uh, it's slowed down and gotten more deep. So for me, it's been a lot of, uh, I don't know if you guys have heard of uh, FKJ, French Kiwi Juice. Love um, French Kiwi Juice. Oh yeah, my right? God. Like, like I will just sit down and listen to his set. Um, he's got like a two hour set. I think he was down in like the Salt Flats or something in like yes. South America. It's like two I know hours exactly long. What you're talking about? Yeah. I've Dial seen that video. It blows me away. Right? Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I want to go there. That's where I need to be. Are you kidding? Yeah. I think um, the coolest thing about that is like he's just like a multi instrumentalist. You know. He's yeah. so talented. Like just hearing, yeah. Yeah, so that's stuff cool. like that. Like I don't have to think really about the music, but I can you can just vibe with it and just you know oh, yeah. it's for me if I'm working or if I'm roasting, that's going on in the background for sure. <laughs> Do you listen to like uh like Jordan Riquet as well and like Tom Meesh and those guys? Tom Meesh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if I've I've probably heard of Jordan and maybe it's come through on like my um uh, my SoundCloud and I probably yeah. liked stuff and haven't even realized it because the, the thing is like I'll let exactly. it play it's like you might like this music almost like a yep. Pandora and so then it just keep hitting the heart then eventually yep. I'll scroll through I'm like well what else is this person doing yeah uh what's really on certain songs if like you're not paying very close attention Jordan Riquet and Tom Mish will almost sound like the same person anyway. okay so yeah <laughs> they like they have that voice um damn man that's awesome I'm glad you like French Kiwi Juice like the, I dude the first summer I heard him, I swear to God, I listened to that album that he released every day. Yeah. Like, Are you talking I just, about uh, the French Kiwi Juice album yeah, yeah. with the yellow I, cover? Yep. When he first released that, like, 
it was like 2017. I listened to that album like every day that summer. It was um, I don't even have to fact ha-ha. check that. I'm looking at oh, it right boom. now. And yeah. honestly, the first time I heard like his music was yeah. – uh, so my old apartment in Seattle was right over um, – I think it was called Urban – urban coffee lounge right so we lived right above a coffee shop so for me it was great to go in there and get a stump town um, oh, yeah. every single morning before i went to work and i could always hear their music in the summer because you know they have people on the porch they got speakers outside and i kept hearing his song lying together and i was like what yeah. is that jam and so i would <laughs> roll out of bed hit my um what's the the stupid thing that records um on your phone the app uh, oh like uh, uh god shazam Shazam. I would hit Shazam uh... and like carefully try to like hold it by the screen so I could listen to it because I didn't want to stick my hand out the freaking window like a like an idiot. Yeah. And I was like, yes, I got it. And then from there, oh, I just opened the floodgates to all of it. That's awesome. Kevin introduced French Kiwi Juice to me actually in 2017. I fell in love with it. And then uh, that was I was had been dating my now wife for about a year and a half. I remember being like, listen to this. And, And to this day, we still will throw on FKJ. Like, yeah. So good. Yeah, people should look him. I'm gonna I'm just gonna double down with Mark because that's my jam because that's all I'm thinking about. That's <laughs> my jam for sure, man. Yeah, that's yeah, that's the jam this week. Prince <laughs> uh did you guys ever you Mark, have you seen that live video that he did with Masego in the Red Bull studios where they yes. made that song Tadao? Oh yep. so good. It's Man. all that, like, yeah, any of that Red Bull stuff. Like, again, I never even knew, like, Red Bull Studios existed. But, like, again, yeah. that'll just take you down a black hole for hours. They're hours great. The <laughs> only thing I will add to this conversation to maybe, like, put my jam in there is this is also giving me, like, an inkling to listen to Anderson Pock because I love Anderson Pock so much. He's great. Yeah. Have you ever listened to Anderson Pock, Mark? I don't think so. Um, but I will do myself yeah. a favor then after this. <laughs> oh my God. He plays drums, raps, sings. He's got like a song with Smokey Robinson. He's, yeah. Make he's, it better. It's like, yeah, he's, yeah, he is all over the place. He's super good. And he's been around for a long time, just kind of like paying his dues and doing a lot of features and stuff. And this past year, I think finally I like saw people taking pictures of him at concerts going, oh my God, this guy's live set's amazing. And yeah, he's he's great. He was on the last Mac Miller album, not the uh, one that just came out this year, but the one before that and then before that. And then he's on like, yeah, he tours with these guys called the Free Nationals. He's just super awesome. Um, I side side note, I listen to music the way that some people watch baseball. Like some people will be like, oh, yeah, this guy's got like a five, 520 batting average and he's a great player and he worked with this and he was on this team. I'm like, when I listen to music, I like immediately start typing things in. I'm like, who worked on this song? Who worked with who? Like, where yeah, does producers are from? constantly like collaborating. Between, they're all over the place. They're, they're, they're always, uh, it, you will see, I mean, if you, if you pay attention like you do, Kevin, mm-hmm. to features and to yep. credits for yep. uh, production, you'll, you'll start to see a, a, a consistent rotation of like a bunch of really talented people. Well, and sometimes I'll hear certain sounds in songs and I'll go and I'll like I'll be like really vibe into the song or I'll really like I'll I'll be like kind of turned off by like the writing format or the structure of the song. And I'll be like, I'll be like, oh, what is that? And then I'll hear a sound and I'll go, oh, I know who worked on this song because <laughs> like, I can hear it. And I'm like, oh, that's why I like it or that's why I maybe don't like it so much. So, yeah. Um, all One right, of my sweet. favorite segments. Yeah. Love Matt, it. What else you want to talk about? Um. um you know, I wrap this conversation up with our good friend Mark now. 
Yeah, I apart think... from asking him to hang out when this is over because you guys are on like literally the same <laughs> journey sure. in life. Yeah, dude. <laughs> I think I think you and I need to have like another long form conversation about like you know the the essentialism or the 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 practicality versus like following your passions and dreams conversation because yeah. Because Matt and I have that conversation right now every week. <laughs> we have it all the time. The, I, I won't, I won't, you know, I won't dive us into another conversation about this. But it's just so, it's so interesting to me um, how we are programmed as people, right, to provide for ourselves and then for our families. Mm-hmm. And that is a, that is a wonderful and, and blessed life. But there is if you have a passion that maybe doesn't jive with like the mainstream or the the normal way of going about a life mm-hmm. um there's a lot of friction to try to get there and achieve that because we're expected to like you said get in your car commute to work go to work come home eat dinner you got like an hour or two to yourself then you got to go to sleep so you can do it all over again and yeah. that drove me bonkers. And that's how yeah. I got involved in the Upstate Coffee Collective was because I was like, I need to do something that makes me like passionate where I could like meet new people and learn a new thing on the weekends. And so yep. I started sitting down with Kevin and we opened up James Hoffman's uh, World Atlas of Coffee and we learned stuff. And then we started bringing in some of our friends who were like, yeah, that sounds cool. And then all, you know, fast forward six months and we had like a meetup that had. 18 people at it. Mark was at that one. Yes, yes, you were. (laughs) And there's a guest speaker, and you know what I mean? And there was all of a sudden this community. Um, It blew up, and and it made me realize that, like, passion begets passion. And and people who are inspired by your passion will support you, and they will be drawn to you. And and it's it's really – it's – as I guess – what I'll say is I've learned in my life so far in the 27 years I've been alive that we're at the age now where you have to do it for yourself. We are the makers mm-hmm. now. There's right. no following. Or a, there's no rules anymore. Yep. That's yeah. And maybe the, the one thing I'll add to that, Matt, is 100 percent hit a nail on the head. Right. Like we had instruction, you know, elementary school, middle school, high school, college career. And all of a sudden, again, someone's managing you to do something right. Well, if you really take it all out and derive it out, it's like you're living someone else's dream. You have yep. your own. But you're not living your dream. You're living their dream. Yeah. But the minute you take away that coaching, let's call it right. Like the same can be said can be held true for anybody who is a collegiate athlete or even high school athletes. Like once you're done doing that and you don't have a coach, your motivation to perform at the highest level is that's up to you. Right. And so that's yeah. where like for Ironman or for anything else, it's like, you need to set the goal and you're responsible for it. You know, like if you don't hit it, that's all on you. Like you, you can hire yeah. a coach. That's fine because you don't want to put in the work yourself or you want some more like formalized like training. That's great. You want structure. But right now it's like, so many of us, you know, you guys, everybody else, whoever's listening to, it's like you, you want to do something, but you just don't know what to do. How do you materialize it? Because we were never taught to do that. We're taught yeah. to conform to what's going on. And I think the word of the day, Matt, you said it's friction. That's yeah. 100%. Every yeah. single day it's friction. It doesn't matter who I talk to. You're going to start a business. You have a kid. You have this. You have that. It's like, well, yeah. How can well, you do I'm, that? I'm going to do right? it. I'm just going to do it. You know, I don't care what you think. I'm just going to do it. <laughs> yep. That's awesome. Well, yeah, it's almost like you have to like find your own little inner Galileo, like the person who literally just wants to get out there and be like, I don't know. 
so, how we're going to navigate this, but we're going to figure it out, guys. Like, <laughs> Surround yourself with the people who want to see the best in you, right? You want yeah. you to do the best. And if you can't have that, then you know what? Maybe at this point, you're like, all right, just take a break. You, you don't hang out with that person for a little bit, right? And then eventually you come back. You're not saying, I banish you for life. It's like, no, no, yeah. right now I'm, I'm really focused on this thing. And like, I need either your support or like, let's take a TV timeout, you know? Yeah. Take a TV timeout. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> take a TV timeout from, from that friendship. <laughs> I love that's that. That's why I hang no, out with Kevin, man. Because we take TV timeouts or... <laughs> <laughs> we no. do not take TV timeouts. No, no, it's because, yeah. Yeah, I want to lift you up, Matt. Wanna lift I'm here to lift you up. up. All right, cool. Uh, I think that's, that's it, man. That's everything that we could possibly cover in a meaningful and listenable conversation. I think like so Matt too. said, we could go on for a couple hours probably, sure, Mark. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, you guys right, have I, a good one. Yeah. yeah, you too. I want to wrap up with a couple of, of quick uh, items. So Mark Grammatico, the name of your coffee roasting company is Constellation Coffee. Yep, that's right. You are out of Mechanicville, New York, correct? Mechanicville, New York. Uh, you could find us on the, the worldwide intrawebs, uh, constellationroasters.com. Yeah. Um, I do have an Instagram page as well. It's just constellation yeah. underscore uh, roasters. Um, and yeah, it'd be, I appreciate all the support that we've had actually this past week, just from launching, um, which has been amazing. And if you guys just want to try something different, give yourself variety, I'd appreciate, you know, check us out. Yeah. And if you want to see really cool videos of someone making homemade pasta, you can just follow Mark. (laughs) (laughs) No, seriously. Yo, I am going to like just show up randomly at your house someday and be like, yo man, I hope you're making pasta today. Cause I'm hungry. Like, (laughs) (laughs) He will do Dude, that. It too. looks so good, Mark. Seriously. It's one of those things, right? You first start doing it, it took you like three hours to slave over it. It tastes like yep. garbage. And then finally, you get to the point where it's super efficient and like, yeah, again, just like sharing it with the, you know with the people. Right? You don't have the problem of box pasta. If you can make it yourself, folks, come on. Dude, <laughs> yeah. you, you said that you were eventually going to have a restaurant or a cafe. I think the proper term here is bistro. Bistro. That's what's up, man. You got you to gotta combine that beautiful pasta and that coffee somehow. Well, yeah, there's uh, plenty, plenty of game left, folks. So that's where awesome. we hope, hope to see ourselves. We are only just beginning. Yeah. Right. All right. Well, have a good one, boys. Happy Easter. All right, boys. Happy okay. Easter. Thanks, guys. Take care. Yep. That was our conversation with Mark Grammatico from Constellation Roasters in Mechanicville, New York. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a positive rating and subscribe if you're new. And we'll see you in the next one.